sick of sorrow, sick of the pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's gonna be peace on earth. Warcast for Catholics. Welcome to another episode of this podcast sponsored by the Catholic Peace Fellowship. I'm Mike Griffin, your host, and if you'd like to learn more about our work at CPF, visit us at catholicpeacefellowship.org. We have some exciting features today. We're going to continue a segment of the interview with soldier turned conscientious objector Joshua Castile. Hear more from Mike Shorsh about St. Augustine and how he changed church teaching forever on war and peace. But first, let's get right into a topic that we want to address, and that is, where do we as Catholics or as Christians stand in reference to the Iraq War, which continues to be waged? We know the figures, we know the death tolls, we know the cost, but what many people don't know is that there have been a variety of voices within the Catholic tradition on this war. So I want to begin today by offering you four quotes that might spark a discussion. And as you listen to it, perhaps you want to add your voice into this discussion. But let's go back to 2003 when the Iraq War began. As it began, we heard from Archbishop Edwin F. O'Brien, who is the Archbishop for the Military Archdiocese. That's all the soldiers. They comprise their own diocese in the church. And what he said was this. Given the complexity of factors involved, many of which understandably remain confidential, it is altogether appropriate for members of our armed forces to presume the integrity of our leadership and its judgments, and therefore to carry out their military duties in good conscience. That was Archbishop O'Brien saying to soldiers, even though Archbishop O'Brien had said previously that the war would not be just, after it had begun, he said, Our duty now is to tell you to march in good conscience. We'll talk about that quote and what it means. But in a very different place, but the same Catholic Church, another archbishop, Archbishop Jean Sliman, who's the Archbishop of Baghdad, said not even a month later, the war has been like giving a punch to our people. It was an earthquake after which reigns an anguished emptiness, not only for Christians, but for everyone. War is simply evil and ugly. If there is truly a need to build a peaceful world, our values cannot be imposed with force. So how do we compare? These are two bishops, two shepherds in our church. How do we think about their different quotes and what they mean? Now, let's add the third voice to that and continue to get another layer on this. This was only two weeks later, May 2nd, 2003, and the quote came from Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who now, as we know, is Pope Benedict XVI. And he said this, quote, There were not sufficient reasons to unleash a war against Iraq, to say nothing of the fact that given the new weapons that make possible destructions that go beyond the combatant groups, Today we should be asking ourselves if it is still licit to admit the very existence of a just war. That was Cardinal Ratzinger in a May 2nd interview with Zenit.org. Our last quote. We go back 
to the a little bit later, but we go back to the Archbishop and the Archdiocese for the military. This is Bishop John Casing, who is the assistant to Archbishop O'Brien. And he said this, Once the commander-in-chief has called us to war, the time for talk of conscientious objection is over. Besides, the soldiers aren't asking for this. I get five times as many calls wanting to know about which bases have a Latin mass than I do about conscientious objection. We will talk about many aspects of all of these quotes, but for now, let's focus on this. Do soldiers have a responsibility to decide for themselves whether or not a particular war is just or not? Or is that something that can be just left to the commanders and the soldiers don't have to decide that? That's a major question, and we're going to talk about what the Catholic tradition says. But first, let's go back and hear from a soldier who knows a little bit about this matter. We have been having an interview on the Catholic Peace Fellowship podcast here with Joshua Castile, who was in Iraq as a soldier and then left and became a conscientious objector. In the last two podcasts, we talked through the process of what life was like in Iraq as a soldier, what led to him wanting to apply. And then in the last one, we talked about, well, what was it like to go through the application process to be a conscientious objector? And today, Joshua is with us here once again to talk a little bit about what what he reflects on looking back on that process. So let's just pick it up, Joshua, with um, your uh, being granted conscientious objector status. Now, what happened? Did you uh, pick up, pack up your stuff and leave right away? And um, and what, what was that like when you found out? Well, um, leaving post was a pretty happy moment. Right. But it was also bittersweet. Um, I had spent a total of eight years in the Army on uh, combined time of um, active, inactive, and reserve. And um, and I was leaving behind a lot of close friends who were most likely going to go back to Iraq. And so I was, while I was very happy to be able to start a new life that was in line with my conscience, right. um, it was really hard for me to leave behind my fellow soldiers. Um, I definitely had to tell myself that everyone has to make their own decisions as far as conscience is concerned, and, and I can't be responsible for everyone else's right. decisions. Um, but it was there was a little bit of tension, a little bit of conflict for me. A lot of people have asked me whether or not I regret my time in the military. If I could go back, would I change it all? And on the one hand, if I could, if I could start everything over, I, w- I would never have entered the military in the first place. That's one way of answering the question. But... In another sense, I don't necessarily regret the experiences that I've had because it, it's given me an ability to communicate um, all of these issues to, to people so that they don't have to go through the things that I went through. Um, and it's given me a certain understanding, perhaps, of what's going on um, in Iraq and, and what's going on in the life of my own faith. Um, but one of the things that's been very uh, important to me is... Um, is remembering the fact that I was once a soldier in Iraq, even though I'm I'm now uh, a peace activist and openly critical of the war in Iraq and uh, the institution of war in general. There are plenty of people in the military that are trying to um, to abide by their conscience. That are trying to make the world a better place, um, and there are lots of really complex issues involved in that. Um, 
And it's one thing to be against the institution, and it's another thing to be bitter against individual people. Um, and it took me eight years to really come to a realization that I was against the institution. Um, and I, but I was a person during all those eight years. Right. And it simply takes a process. And so I think maintaining the sensitivity to be passionate about a concept, to be passionate about, about um, ethics, Right. Um, is really important, but it's also very important to remember the humanity of the situation and to remember that um, people go through life um, as fallible uh, creatures and people go through right. life as learning creatures. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned ethics, and there's just so much to talk about here in so little time. Um, and again, you, you can find out uh, a lot more of Joshua's writings and uh, read what he wrote uh, while in Iraq and also while um, applying to be a CEO. In fact, you can read his conscientious objector application on our website, catholicpeacefellowship.org. A couple other things to, to note quickly, and that is the discharge for conscientious objection, which you received, is an honorable discharge. So you were able to get granted CO status, and it's an honorable discharge. Um, and uh, I just want to make sure that people know that that's clear, and it is something that's possible. It's not easy, and it takes a while. How long, quickly, how long did your application take from the time you turned in the packet to the time you received um, your word? Well, my case was very atypical. It took about three months total. Okay. That's um, pretty fast. Mine was incredibly fast. I have um, friends who also applied for conscientious objection, and it took them over a year and a half, right. sometimes over two years, to finally... Um, have full recognition. Right. And the key on this, especially, you know, in my role as a GI rights counselor on that GI rights hotline, which we mentioned, girights.org, is we, uh, we see that you can, the biggest test is it's whether your chain of command wants to push it, but also as a soldier, you have, you have some degree of capability to expedite it by keeping pressure on, making sure they know that, hey, look, I still want to See, you know, get some movement on this application. This is really important to me. I'm really being sincere here, um, and you know, and I and I think that you can have some. You can help to to quicken the process a little bit. And in the end, you know, it was a process for you that um, that was worth it, as um, as you said, because of your your conscience. So I want to talk about that and sort of the time we have remaining as a Christian. Um, why should a Christian soldier be? Uh, be concerned about being in war. You've said th some things before about Christ and the love of enemies and, uh, and how the church, the Catholic church has had an influence. Why should any soldier listening now be concerned about uh, what's at stake in war? Well, I think it comes down to Jesus' statement that um, a person cannot serve two masters. And um, our, our identity as Christians um, is shaped in, um, in the moment of Calvary by which we were reconciled, like with God and with one another. And if that's, if that's the foundation of Christian identity, reconciliation, and our purpose in life is tied to the gospel, then I think we have to ask ourselves some very serious questions when other motivations, other interests, other masters tell us what our job is and what our duties are and how we should view ethical situations. And any time there is conflict, if whether it be um, an individual person, if it be an institution that says um, you need to do something because we need to secure X, Y, or Z interest, and if that interest is not subject to the gospel, then we need to resist.
It's, it's, it is in the, the identity of a Christian um, to resist um, any interest that is opposed to the gospel. And um, for me, that came down to uh, being able to um, talk to a person as a person. Every time that I went into the interrogation room, um, I saw a person um, in need of the gospel. Mm. And, uh, and not just the person that I was talking to, I realized that I was in need right. of the gospel to a greater degree. Um, there was a there was an element of my heart that had not been touched by the freedom of the gospel in order to be truly um, a, a servant and a slave of Christ and to no one else. Well, those were the words of Joshua Castile in his interview with us. And there is one more segment of that interview that we will play in the next episode of Warcast for Catholics. But challenging words indeed, and the words of someone who has seen war up close. And Joshua talks about serving two masters and having to decide to put the gospel first. And this relates to that question we started with. Do soldiers, those who are already in the military, still have a responsibility to consider their conscience and discern their conscience? There have been times when Archbishop O'Brien of the military archdiocese has suggested no, they can simply trust their commanders. But now, three-plus years into the Iraq War, it seems that some soldiers and many in the civilian population are saying that perhaps there is not only moral but practical reasons why we shouldn't simply place trust in our commanders. However, what does the Catholic tradition say about this? And it has a lot to say. For centuries during the Middle Ages, many would have assumed that the only guilt of killing in war, especially in unjust war, was on the commanders. But then... Beginning with two thinkers who are extremely important for Catholics. One is in the 1500s, Francis de Vitoria, a Jesuit moral theologian. And the second, St. Alphonsus de Liguori in the 1700s. A lot of that changed. Consider what Francis de Vitoria said. And at the time, this was really revolutionary and still holds true for Catholic teaching. He said, Subjects who are aware of the injustice of a war are obliged to refrain from fighting, even if their prince attempts to coerce them, since one must place loyalty to God ahead of loyalty to the prince. These are not the words of a pacifist. These are the words of someone who said that soldiers have to take just war tradition seriously. So now we see that Catholics who are soldiers can become pacifists and become can come to reject all war, but even if they don't, they still must decide if a war is just before they participate. St. Alphonsus Liguori took that even one step further, and he said that if a soldier had killed in an unjust war, that they could not even have their sins forgiven until they would leave the military. Now, what does all this mean today? For sure, some have pointed out, rightly, that although the Vatican opposed the war, it never ordered soldiers not to participate. And so what should a soldier do, a soldier perhaps who's in Iraq right now? Well, one thing that's been clear in all of this is that for Catholics, a soldier has the right to discern their conscience before war, during war as well. And this is important. This comes from the Second Vatican Council when this council said that conscience is the most secret core and sanctuary of a man. There he is alone with God whose voice echoes in his depths. Conscience is critically important. 
That quote, taken from paragraph 16 of the Vatican II document Gaudium et Spes, is followed up in paragraph 79, where it says that blind obedience is not an option, that soldiers cannot say, well, I was just following orders. And indeed, the conscience of soldiers has what is what's led many of them to reject war altogether and to renounce the use of violence. And that is certainly a legitimate Catholic position that goes back to the early church. However, there are Catholics who also, in a legitimate fashion, according to church teaching, hold that there are the just war criteria that say whether or not a war is just. Not that all wars would be, but that you have to use your conscience. And with that in mind, we can see that also in paragraph 79 of Gaudium et Spes, it says that soldiers who fulfill their role properly contribute to the common good and contribute to peace. And so from the just war perspective, you can see the importance of conscience. But again, it's not an option for soldiers to simply to say, well, I'm going to follow orders. That's why we want to hear from you soldiers and hear what you think about this and what you think about the ongoing war in Iraq. Is it time for Catholics, for some of the thousands and tens of thousands of Catholics to say no more. We will not participate in this war, which is unjust. Is the time now to say that? So we'd like to hear from you soldiers. As I said, these questions are not new. They have been struggled with since the beginning of the church. And so with that in mind, let's turn now to our resident scholar, Mike Schorsch, as he considers one of the most important moments in the history of church teaching on war and peace. Hi, you're listening to In the Beginning, and I'm Mike Schorsch. In the Beginning is the part of the program where we take a look at war and peace from the perspective of the first 500 years of Christianity. In our last installment, we briefly discussed the nonviolence of the early theologians of the Church, including Tertullian and Origen. This time, we'll be taking a look at two bishop saints, Ambrose and Augustine. Ambrose and his better-known pupil, Augustine, were Christians living in much different circumstances from the Christians mentioned last time. While Christians had been influential at the imperial court for many years, they and their thought only began to dominate the empire during the reign of Constantine and really took hold during the reign of Theodosius I, in 379 to 395, a time period that fits into the careers of Ambrose and Augustine. Ambrose, who had been a top-ranking imperial official before becoming a bishop, was one of the first Christians on record to explicitly state that Christians could not only fight in wars, but that, in some circumstances, fighting in wars was praiseworthy. Ambrose was openly supportive of at least one of the wars Theodosius fought against the Gauls. However, Ambrose thought that killing could only be done out of love for one's enemies. For this reason, he thought that killing in self-defense was unjustifiable, and that capital punishment was unmerciful. The thinking of St. Augustine on war and peace was much more thorough than the thinking of St. Ambrose, although it was still not quite the systematic just-war theory of today. Augustine, like Ambrose, held that fighting in some wars could be a just and noble thing. 
He also emphasized that a person's heart, even while fighting, must always be directed by love alone. Yet, Augustine's view of war was different than what we might expect. For Augustine, both war and peace had to do with ordo, the Latin word for a just social order. The peace of the world, which was less perfect than the peace of Christ, was a result of the good ordering of society. War could only be fought to restore that order. It is worth remembering that the wars Augustine knew of were wars where the ordo of the Roman Empire was threatened. Augustine did not develop his idea of the just war in the context of wars fought by Romans on foreign soil, but in the context of civil wars and invasions of Roman territory by barbarians. However, he did propose principles which could be applied to all sorts of wars. It is important to remember that early Christian conceptions of war and peace might be confusing to us today. Tertullian, for instance, could pray that soldiers be courageous while also believing that killing is never justified. Meanwhile, Augustine and Ambrose could state that a person can only kill another in battle when the motive is love. The ambiguities are left for us to explore. We need to ask ourselves the questions that flow from the teachings of the fathers, such as, how can I best exhibit the virtue of courage in my life? Can I love someone truly and still hurt them, even kill them? If not, which should I abandon, the action of killing or the interior disposition of love? Until next time, this is In the Beginning, and thanks for listening. That's about all the time we have in this episode of Warcast for Catholics, but join us next time as we continue to take up these important questions. And if you're a soldier or someone especially interested in all of this, send us your thoughts at catholicpeacefellowship.org. We'd like to include you in this discussion, and that's what we want this podcast to be about, taking up all these questions of war, peace, and conscience in the Catholic tradition. Until next time... I'm Mike Griffin, and this is Warcast for Catholics.